You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to the Oz Network. We're here to talk about the Amazing Race Canada, a show that we can only be bothered to talk about every two weeks or when somebody gets eliminated. Uh, of course, uh, just like we did two weeks ago. We decided to skip an episode as it was a non-elimination, doing the same thing here. So we're going to catch you up on the last two weeks of The Amazing Race Canada, Season 5. My name is Colin, and uh, unfortunately, my first two choices for co-hosts tonight, uh, Ozzy the Dog and Cousin Johnny Mustard, fell through. So we'll have to settle for the American equivalent, Rossi Mustard. Rossi Mustard, thank you for joining us today. Um, thanks, I think. And At least we're recording this before the other episode airs. Yeah, well, we did record the other one before it aired. We just didn't finish recording it <laughs> before it aired. For a day ahead of schedule here, so this is this is progress for us. Um, I don't know, we got two episodes here to talk about. We're back to Canada. I don't know if you just want to jump right into it. Uh, guess overall. I mean, I'd rather be touring the world than going back to Canada, yeah. but. Let's let's do a poll. Would you rather be podcasting about the Amazing Race Canada or touring the world for the Amazing Race Canada? Uh, I think ninety-seven percent of the people chose the the uh, latter one. Uh, we'll get into lots of polls here as we always do. Basic feelings on the last two episodes. Uh, let's just call them the Andrea and Ebony episodes of the Amazing Race Canada. Uh, was there one you preferred more than the other, and are you going to change your opinion on which one you like by the time this podcast is over? Um, I don't know. I, I just like they're definitely improvements from the last two. Um, they've been better. Um, I was a little annoyed at some of the people in the episodes, so I don't know if that goes in the favor of the episode or not. But it's, it was a lot more entertaining television overall. First episode or second episode that annoyed you? Um, I was just really annoyed with Andrea and Ebony the whole time, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I was annoyed with Andrea and Ebony in certain parts, but I mean, I still love them as a team. They're not the only team that kind of annoyed me in these episodes, but, uh, uh we'll talk about Sam and Paul in a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why do I get the feeling Sam and Paul are like a Rossi favorite team? Every time there's a team that's just incredibly dull, uh, giving us no life, uh, Rossi's a big fan of theirs. Uh, probably because i am okay there you go uh first episode i guess we started it out still overseas courtesy of Cinerama uh in thailand and then we went all the way back to ottawa the capital of canada uh, i don't know if this was recorded before or after canada 150 but uh thankfully our canada 150 challenges are back everybody's been missing those and they're starting to make a little bit more sense now as we're getting further into the season so, Ottawa, we're already cautioned right away. Double U-turn ahead. I always love the double U-turns. It presents a lot of drama. Uh, definitely a lot in this episode. Much like a lot of the twists in this season, I feel like this twist worked out very differently than the producers would have expected. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but we'll cover the double U-turn a little bit more ahead. Uh, for this leg, they had one loony on their BMO cashback master extravaganza MasterCard. <laughs> Um, I don't know, maybe because you've watched The Amazing Race Canada, you're familiar with it, but what is the perception outside of Canada of what a loony is? Um, I always think it's just, like, toy money, <laughs> based on the name, because it doesn't sound real. Yeah, uh, 
I think the Loonies came out in the late 80s or something like that. It was just a way to replace the paper $1 bill with a, a coin $1. It actually is a very cool-looking coin, I guess. Not nearly as cool as the Toonie. Are you familiar with the Toonie? Uh, they both sound fake. Yeah, well, the Looney, I guess, is a bird, or the Loon is a bird. So they just decided to call it the Loonie, which does kind of make it sound like fake money. Uh, a Toonie is actually quite spectacular to look at because I think it's kind of silver on the outside with like a, a gold center in the middle. Uh, but the Toonie name was a bit of a joke. They actually were looking for a legitimate name for the $2 coin. And people just kind of joke saying it's a $2 loony, so call it a Toonie. And that actually just officially ended up as a name. So as you discover in this episode, Canadian sense of humor is uh, really corny and a lot of dad <laughs> jokes, which is where the Looney and Toonie, I guess, came from. But one loony, I don't know how they funded this entire trip on a loony. Um, right away, we start with the alliances. So this is where the W turn is going to come up. And uh, I only made note of two teams in here, but I know there was a third team. Uh, there's uh, Andrea and Ebony. There we go. Uh, Sam and Paul was the third one. So Andrea and Ebony, Adam and Andrea, and Sam and Paul all formed an alliance. Did I get all three of those teams right? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, we're on a roll. We're already remembering these episodes better than the last one. Uh, so they basically formed an alliance, and this is probably where it's stemming from you being a little bit annoyed with them later on. But the idea of this alliance is that they will all U-turn the bottom teams, you know, just guaranteeing this trio alliance will all get ahead. It's actually a very smart plan. I don't know uh, if it was ever going to work out exactly. There is a flaw in it, which we'll get into later on. But what are your thoughts on alliances as far as U-turns goes? And do you think this was a smart one had everybody stuck to it? First, I want to address the fact that we finally got payoff for that. We'll help you, yeah. Sam and Paul, Adam, Andrea, Andrea, whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. Um thing that happened legs ago i'm so glad we got resolve on that um it seemed like a smart idea especially considering half the teams were in this alliance um it wouldn't work in survivor too well but it would work here in the amazing race um i wasn't too annoyed about it at this point i was just like that's smart save yourself Mm -hmm. um i thought it was weird that the three strong really strong teams teamed up i thought that was weird but hey i'm not there so the reason I think it makes sense is because a lot of things can happen. You can all fall behind. But if you have these three teams all saying, well, let's you turn the other three teams, you know you have an advantage one way or the other. Uh, as long as you get there before the other teams is the other part. But the reason I think this would have really worked is because you have half the teams that you know are potentially going to get you turned behind you as opposed to saying, well, let's target the top teams and then it ends up being you're getting the, I don't want to call them the loser teams, but let's call them the loser teams, who all get ahead. Um, and let's be honest, it never really works out the way people plan. I mean, every time you try to target a strong person, usually a weak team ends up going anyways. Uh, I just thought it's smart if, you're, if you have the numbers in your favor here, you have half of the teams saying we can U-turn the other half of the teams. People just need to follow through with it, which is a problem later on. Uh, so when they're in Ottawa, they have to go and meet the mayor, the mayor of Ottawa, which I guess they all knew. Uh, th- even though I have no idea who the mayor of Ottawa is, uh, and I probably couldn't even recognize the mayor of Ottawa after seeing this episode, I can automatically tell you there's probably more recognition than Cindy and what's-his-name at the end of uh, the last season, Amazing Race US, <laughs> uh, where they just walk right by them like, hey, that's the mayor of Ottawa. They actually get them in this one. 
And we get introduced to the Chevy Equinox, because of course you can't spell Canada without Chevy Equinox. Ross, did you have a Chevy Equinox or another Chevy equivalent fact of the week? It was stupid. <laughs> That's what it says on CTV's website. It was stupid. Um, the roadblock. Okay, so here's a fun roadblock. Uh, this was not a Canada 150 challenge, which I thought it would have been just because it involved the RCMP. But this is, again, cool. Uh, the RCMP musical ride... Uh, <laughs> 100% voted in this poll for would you do this challenge. So I don't know, there's 3% of the people out there who have been very picky up until you can ride a mounty horse and scrub the horse's <laughs> uh, rectum. Um, I don't know, this is a weird challenge. They didn't explain it all. I, you, you didn't get all those sponge bath at the anus and bum is a bum whether you're a horse or a human or the horse farting and Karen's face or whatever it was. Before they put the poll up, I'm guessing it would have changed. Uh, let's start right off the bat here. Rossi, are you among the 100 people who would love to be scrubbing the private parts of a horse? No. I did think it was interesting that all the horses were black. Um, just to avoid the issue of it looking gross on ah, camera. See, if it was a white horse. When you, I didn't even think of that. When you were saying that, I'm, think, I'm thinking to myself, is there some type of law where Mounties have to ride a dark horse? But no, that would make sense. <laughs> that would be pretty disgusting. There are some great lines in there. Uh, like I said, the sponge bath, their anus, the bum is a bum, whether a horse or human, and of course, <laughs> the horse farting. Um, my favorite moment of this was Adam. You know, we talked about Adam in that dancing challenge, the uh, one with the boa on, where he looked really into it, like maybe a little too into it after saying it wasn't really his thing. And you pointed out, well, they, they have to really be flamboyant in it and show personality. He was showing that exact same flamboyant face here riding the horse as a Mountie. So I just think that's like Adam being giddy. Uh, I have to ask again about the Mounties because this is something that annoys a lot of Canadians, just the confusion people have. But what is the perception of what Mounties are? Have we even covered this up until this point on the show? I'm pretty sure we've discussed this. Maybe I discussed it with Ben. I'm not sure. I don't know if we've talked about it, but it seems very weird. It seems like a crossbreed between park rangers and police officers. Uh, the Mounties are basically... See, the park ranger thing, people get that because they ride on horses. I guess in some place in the States, you'll get that. Uh, but it's basically, I guess, the equivalent of state police, what you would have in America. Uh, these are they're, they're just regular police officers. They drive police cars. They wear regular police uniforms. They don't wear the big hats or the red uniforms like Dudley Do-Right. That's just sort of a ceremonial thing. Kind of like, you know, in an old British thing, they may dress up like the, the guards. Or I guess they still do that Buckingham Palace. But, you know, maybe you'd get an old-style military uniform for some type of formal function. And that's the only time we will really ever see Mounties dressed like Dudley Do-Right. But most people who aren't from Canada seem to think that that's what our police look like all the time. Like, they're just riding on horseback. You know, somebody steals a car, and you have a Mountie with a big hat on a horseback <laughs> chasing them very slowly. Not really the way it goes. <laughs> but yeah, still, you'll always see Mounties at any type of, like, ceremonies or Canada Day. Canada 150 celebrations. Uh, it was a fun challenge. Now, you're making Canada seem less special. <laughs> you, the rest of the... See, here's the other thing. This is what I've always wondered. When Americans or other people believe that Canada is this nation where our police officers ride on horseback with a giant red hat, uh, is it something where you kind of look at that and they're like, wow, that's really embarrassing? Or are you like, wow, that's really cool? 
a bit of both. Okay. But I kind of think that's cool. All right. Well, sorry to spoil your illusion. Canadians are not quite that cool. But we did invent five-pin bowling, which we'll get to later on. Uh, what did you think of this roadblock challenge? It was probably one of the more entertaining uh, roadblocks or even challenges we've seen all season as far as I'm concerned. It has the potential to be one of the worst just because it can seem so boring and wouldn't translate well on TV. Mm-hmm. But it actually turned out to be pretty well, minus the 10-meter walk with the horse, which I thought was pointless. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was just, like, literally for show. Um, but I thought it was pretty good, like, uh, considering some of the boring challenges we've got this season. That was a standout. Yeah, and this was probably the best one of the episode. The uh, detour coming up wasn't exactly exciting. But uh, what I did like about this was just everybody was really into it. And it's funny because maybe this is a Canadian thing. Maybe most Canadians are like, you know, my dreams to be a Mountie, kind of like, you know, my dreams to be an astronaut. If you had a challenge for me, if you had a challenge where you get to put on a spacesuit, you know, and do a fake moonwalk, that would be like my dream. Just as a Mountie, I don't know. That's not really my thing. But everybody else here was really into it. Uh, The detour. Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) Sorry to say this is where the episode took a nosedive for me. Tiptoe through tulips or get the picture. Uh, All right. So... Everybody, right off the bat, did the tulip challenge. Uh, I don't know if either of these really work for me. Uh, I, I did like, uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was uh, Bert. Or maybe just every time something funny happens, I claim it's Karen and Bert. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of the podcast. Uh, by the way, every time Rossi says something funny, I'm going to claim that Bert said it as well. Um, so was, oh, it, was it him that said, I built a fence, so I know what I'm doing. Who was that? Or how... Oh, that was Bert. It was Bert, yeah. I wrote, I wrote down in my notes that that was really funny because Karen said, no, he didn't build it. He just put one coat of paint. Yeah. The way the conversation went, it was great. It was like, I built a fence. And then she's like looking at him. It's like, I helped build a fence. Looking at him again. I painted a fence. Looked at him. It was like, one coat only. <laughs> Karen and Bert just deliver every single week. They're amazing. Uh, tulips. Searching for pictures. I don't know. Either of these appeal to you? Okay, so... One thing I do want to talk about was for the paint for the art detour. Mm-hmm. So I like studied art a lot, and I was like really concerned that because some places won't let you take photographs, some places won't let you have flash, and I was really concerned that they were going to ruin all this art with the flash. Um, and I was like, oh well, maybe it's just photographs. But no, they were doing paintings and drawings, and I was like, no, they're ruining it. Would a flash actually ruin that? It can, depending on how old it is. I'm assuming just because it was contemporary that it wouldn't. But I was like, in my head, I was like, why? Yeah, I, I, they should have put a poll up. Are you nervous for the art right now? And see if 100% voted yes or no. They would put no. <laughs> um, these challenges but it were, was boring. Yeah, both of these were both really dull. I was glad that it was a youth turn episode, so we at least got to see both sides. Yeah. That was the only reason we saw the picture one, was because of the U-turn. And when they went through it, they just breezed through it. So it obviously seemed like, maybe it was the easier one, but I I feel like when these episodes are only 40 minutes long, uh, often these challenges just get edited down. I'm finding that a lot this season, where every time there's a team that's behind, maybe it's just an editing trick to make you think there's more suspense in it. You suddenly will see one team, like, oh, that was a breeze. But meanwhile, they've been there like eight hours, I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, the the one thing that made it so like lackluster was the fact that like you could see them just speed walking, mm-hmm. like they couldn't run in the gallery or whatever, and it was just kind of like melon. It was not melancholy. That's not the right word. It was just kind of mellow. And, yeah. 
like so chill and it just doesn't work for the pace of the amazing race unless it's super slow or like an intense like kind of thing mm-hmm. like it just kind of killed the momentum you know we have to get ben on this because uh it's sad to say at least when it comes to the east coast ben is more familiar with the country of canada than i am because i think he was in ottawa just a few months ago uh, i'd love to know if he went to that art gallery museum or took flash photography or something or picked any tulips ben if you're listening you have to come on here and tell us all about ottawa um, also, I, I was getting really creeped out because I believe Tiptoe Through the Tulips is a reference to a, not not the specific challenge, but the title is a reference to the song, a song in Insidious, which is really terrifying. Oh, is that what the song's called? I know the scene you're talking about, yeah. So I was getting like really creeped out. I don't know if that's the official title, but I know it's something similar. If it's not, we're going to re-edit Insidious with Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Uh, or we'll just throw a Dirt Gritty song in there. Can we just claim the Dirt Gritty song of the week is Tiptoe Through the Tulips? Rossi says, sure. All right. This is why we need Johnny Mustard on here. Uh, <laughs> we'll get more personality out of him. Wow, thanks. <laughs> you didn't answer. You're saying, oh, that's so insulting. <laughs> well, you credit everything that I do as Dirt Gritty, so I'm not going <laughs> to that is true. Uh, good point, Dirt Gritty. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, the U-turn here. So this is the drama. Sam and Paul, I guess, were the first ones there. They keep their word. They U-turn Team Giver. Uh, then Andrea and Ebony start figuring, well, what if the other teams are? What if Corey no, and Yvonne other are? way. What? Adam and Andrea. Yeah, yeah, Adam and Andrea. Too many Andreas on the season. Or Andrea. Well, don't worry. Yeah. Andrea and Adam uh, figured, well, what if Corey and Yvonne have already passed us? It's a fair assumption. I think that's the flaw in this plan that, you know, when you're targeting half the teams, you don't know who's ahead of you. If you're targeting one team, it's easy because you're seeing other teams on the race, uh, especially in the uh, um, the detour. You know, you've seen one team already. You've seen, in this case, all the teams. You probably know who's behind you. That's what also made it weird was that there was, I guess, such a separation in this episode that you had everybody at the same detour and nobody knew who was there. Well, it got really messy because Sam and Paul were last mm-hmm. before the detour. Yeah. And then they were able to like come into first and like pretty much dominate the rest of the episode. So it got really messed up. Yeah. like, And I guess even if they didn't know the teams that were U-turning, like they didn't, I guess if they didn't have this reference in their mind, but they don't want to have a repeat of um, Nick and Don from season 12 do you remember that when they no. when they were u-turned even though they were in like second place no and i feel like that happened uh on the most recent amazing race u.s season two maybe i'm wrong but i know i've seen that recently you turn a team who's actually ahead of you but that's the flaw in this i mean if you're on the race not that either of us have raced before we'll get to that poll later on but if you're on this race and let's say you make first of all would you have made a deal like this and if you had made this deal, what would you have done in Adam and Andrea, or Andrea, or Andrea? What would you have done in their position? Would you have taken the risk, or would you have just said, oh, you turn somebody else? Cause did they even spell, like, was Corey and Ivana their only choice, or they could, could they have U-turned somebody else? They couldn't, because Karen and Bert, I think, were ahead of them. Maybe? I don't know. It was either... They must have known. Because the boys were already U-turned. Because mm-hmm. Sam and Paul did it already. Yeah. I think the whole thing was that they didn't do it because the girls they thought were ahead of them and didn't do it, but in fact they were in last. 
because they couldn't do it. I'm not entirely sure. It depends where Karen and Bert were. I don't remember exactly when they checked in yeah. at the U-turn. I mean, they finished in fourth, so I guess they could have been right on the verge. It would be tough to tell. But it, I don't know. It's just such a tricky situation. I don't really blame them. I, I do blame them because I think it was actually their plan where they said, hey, let's all use them. Like, do you remember whose plan it was who put this plan up? I think it was them. Yeah, and that's what really made it funny is that it was their plan. Uh, maybe don't propose it if you're not the one that's willing to follow through for it. But we'll get into the next episode. Some of the fallout from this was maybe a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, I don't know. I I probably would have just you turned them anyways. Like, what's the harm? You yeah. made a deal. Well, at, in modern day race, you get unlimited mm-hmm. U turns. Like, not like when there was the thing where you could only do it once per race. Yeah, you could do it as many times as you want. So, like, why wouldn't you? Like, what's the harm? And if maybe you, uh, that they won't get eliminated. The team that you turn, but like, if you U turn a team that's ahead of you, there's still another team out there that has a third person U turn. I mean, it's it's yeah it just didn't make sense to me like the the nervousness they had plus they were in a decent position they shouldn't have worried they're going to be gone or anything i mean you're already there and you haven't been u-turned just go for it uh i don't know i'm kind of split on their decision over why they did that or didn't do that uh so where are we now uh as i search my notes <laughs> um my johnny mustard johnny mustard yeah <laughs> Now, what are the odds, or is this a producer plan? I don't think it's a producer plan, but, like, it seems so convenient. Uh, we have Johnny Mustard. Was this his cousin or his brother? I think they said it was his brother, brother. right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Ryan's brother is literally right outside, and he's close enough that as they're driving by in a cab, they go, there's Johnny Mustard. Which I love that his brother's name is Johnny Mustard. Again, that's such a Canadian thing to just have such a ridiculous nickname for somebody. That's a Canadian sense of humor. Uh, Johnny Mustard is the star of this episode. Uh, we're going to put him up even over Ozzy the dog. Team Giver, they need their own like sitcom with like an entire family. I want to see like a my big fat Greek wedding thing with all the family members of Kenneth and Brady Ryan. Brady Bunch. Yeah, Brady Bunch. Something. A big family sitcom or like parenthood with Team Giver. Like Somebody's got to do this at CTV. You just lost your, one of your highest rated uh, dramatic shows, Saving Hope. Let's get the, the Team Giver Johnny Mustard sitcom on the air or something. We need um, Amazing Race Canada Family Edition. Yeah, if we did that, then I would be all for it because we know we're getting Johnny Mustard on that. Uh, or if this were CBS, we would get Johnny Mustard on Big Brother Canada or Canadian's Top Model or <laughs> Canada's Got Talent or something. The Hans Family on whatever show you could throw them into. Uh, I know Johnny Mustard will be back at some point. This is the best cameo since Hagen the Handsome Pilot back in season, I think it was 26. <laughs> Big throwback there. Uh, seriously, what are the odds of that? Like, have we ever seen anything like this on The Amazing Race? We've seen people in their own hometowns. This isn't even their hometown. It's not even the same side of the country. Like, you, you go from as far the west coast you can get to all the way out in the east coast. This is probably a four days drive and he runs into his brother. Like, has anything like that happened? You're kind of the expert in all the little obscure facts. Has anybody run into anybody they know before? I feel like it may have happened, but I don't remember. I feel like, um, the, okay, the craziest thing that was definitely producer manipulated was when those girls lost their passport and someone like, we remember this, they like, someone tweeted that there was missing passports from Amazing Race contestants and they got no. their passports back. Oh, what it season? was like a, it was a, 
twenties, like a twenty-three. I want to say. Oh, I lost all patience with twenty-three. Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm bad at the numbers. Yeah, but I'm sure that we was. Find big, it. So I feel like that was maybe the craziest thing. I don't think anyone's run into their brother or cousin or family. And if they did, they didn't crazy. have a name as good as Johnny Mustard. Not not as memorable as Johnny Mustard. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to meet Johnny Ketchup next. <laughs> Johnny Ketchup, Johnny Relish. It's just the whole team giver family. Um, after this, we get back into good challenges. Now, here's the highlight of the episode. The Canadian Museum of History, Canada 150 Challenge. They have to take a citizenship test. Um, now, this... In the spirit of the poll, Colin, did you yeah. have to take the citizenship test? I didn't. Um, but again, you can see how much of Canada is made up of... Because we always have these lopsided polls. And how much of Canada is made up of immigrants. Like, I think we probably have one of the highest uh, immigrant, um, uh, what would be the word, like percentages in the world, uh, like 45% of the people says, almost half the people said they had taken a citizenship test before, which you only have to do if you immigrated. Uh, I probably wouldn't have passed the immigration test, um, but uh, I, I love like so many moments in here where all the Canadians are flopping, like Andrea just saying, oh, I'm so Canadian. Um, Citizenship of the United States. I don't know. Have you ever had to take the test? No. <laughs> Would you I don't even pass? know if there is a citizenship test. Well, I'm sure you have to do something to become a citizen. Uh, what would you have to do to become a citizen other than uh, vote in somebody else at this point? <laughs> um, I don't know. We'd probably learn to... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um... I'm really bad at thinking of something really clever at this hour. <laughs> uh, I bet you Dirk Gritty could have thought of something there. <laughs> oh, Colin, move on. Um, I love Sam and Paul. Like They're the brainy team on the race, and they do have their moments. I just I find them... We're going to get into the next episode. What I feel like perfectly sums up their role in this race is they're just... They're amusingly dull, and taking the citizenship here and failing it over again on Paul... Uh, where they told him when he eventually passed that if you had gotten it wrong one more time, it would have revoked your citizenship when they finally checked in. Like, that was hilarious and probably true. Um, uh, not really, considering I think one of the teams failed worse. Well, it was probably Team Giver. I mean, Ryan. <laughs> and, and here's the best part. My favorite part of this episode, the entire episode, was is just the delivery with Team Giver. Like, when they're trying to be funny, they're funny. When they're not trying to be funny, they're funnier. And when Ryan's taking this test, and it's, I'm sorry, Ryan, you failed, he just looks and goes, no worries, and just moves on, <laughs> no expression at all. Like, I totally expected to fail, that's fair enough. <laughs> no, no, the best thing was when they, I forget what question they asked, but someone was like, is, is it Celine Dion? Yeah. <laughs> Who said that? I remember that. I, that was Giver. Yeah, I completely forgot about I that. I forget what the question was, but it, it was, was like, who's the mayor of canada or something and it's like is it celine yeah. dion and, and he said it like serious and you can tell when these guys are joking but he like wait a second it's celine dion isn't it <laughs> just so serious i love it yeah you're probably right that one was better um but yeah i mean the challenge was great it provided a lot of entertainment it was something different it fits the whole canada 150 thing a little bit more than walking a tightrope uh, across an intersection uh i don't know are the canada 150 challenge is making a little bit more sense now do we like the, are, are they necessary uh, are they bringing a little bit of Canadiana to the world? Uh, I, it, it was helpful to learn some things. I feel like it was more educational than super drama, but it, it was. I think it was better, a lot better than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. 
like I thought it was going to be dry and like oh ooh, you got it or like but it actually delivered a lot of drama considering that you could see some of the teens like sweating it out and, and see this is where you know a lot of people want the Amazing Race Canada to just go overseas a lot and there is so much you can do in one country especially a country the size of Canada uh, where your culture could be different from one province to the next sometimes from one city to the next we just came out of being overseas in Asia and we had a challenge where people were in a pharmacy putting together a prescription uh, and here we are taking a citizenship test it's something so simple but it's fun and the Mountie thing it's something so simple but it's fun and it's also very Canadian so I, I don't I don't mind them being in Canada it's, it's not so much about where you're going it's just about how you're using the challenges and they did it really well in this episode um, basically what ends up happening is that uh, Andrea and Ebony, of course, they're the last ones uh, eliminated because Corey and Ivana, who were supposed to be U-turned earlier, ended up U-turning them. So this whole alliance fell apart because uh, Adam and Andrea didn't <laughs> fulfill the end of the bargain that they proposed to everybody. Uh, how do you feel about how this played out? Was it dramatic enough? And does the, the fact it was non-elimination kind of kill the drama or did it add to it in the next episode, which we'll get into in a minute? It killed the U-turn, though. Like, I hate when it does that. Like, U-turn episode. Oh, wait, it's also not elimination. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I get, like, wanting to save the team, like, because sometimes you could just be, like, a lot of in the U.S. season, they're doing this. The first team will U-turn the team that everyone wants, and then the second team will U-turn the first team so that it's dead. Mm -hmm. So, like, that can get frustrating and so like in those situations I was like oh please let it be not a limb because that's just kind of really annoying mm-hmm. but like in a season where it's actually like done fairly quote unquote fairly like it just gets frustrating I'm like Ugh. especially considering they already were saved by like a quote unquote non-elimination mm-hmm. yeah um, it also didn't help in this one that the the detour was so boring on both parts <laughs> So when somebody gets U-turned, it's not like you're going to get a lot of entertainment out of them looking for pictures. No, Um, they're just like, I want this done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, One quick thing to add just in this episode, and I don't know on your feed you got this or if this just aired on CTV if you're watching it live, but there's, I guess, commercials, and I don't know, maybe I've skipped the commercials so I missed it, where the teams are sort of talking about Canada and what they love about Canada or whatever. And this episode had uh, Andrea and Ebony talking about how they want all Canadians to have support in starting their own businesses. Uh, so I guess it's maybe just like, how does Canada help you live out your dream? I just thought that was kind of funny. I was just wondering if you actually saw that or if that's just a CTV only thing. No, well, it, I'm watching the CTV like episodes like from the thing, but I don't see it with commercials, yeah. so I don't see this. They don't include it on there. I don't no. Know. I'm, I missed it again but I'm, this I'm week. okay not seeing them on yeah. an ad. Uh, I missed it this week. I was kind of curious to see what the other teams would say. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I ended up having to watch this one on the app this week because I didn't have time to sit in front of a TV. Uh, so <laughs> it's not elimination. Uh, and I, I watched half of this walking in the rain as well, so I was constantly wiping my phone. So if this next episode I missed something really funny that happened on screen, like maybe in the hilarious province of Newfoundland, Labrador then forgive me because I was wiping drops off my phone. Um, right away in the episode, Ebony and Andrea think that Corey and Ivana are fake. Now, I don't know if they were making that comment to them or if they're making it to Adam and Andrea. 
because they were talking to Corey Nibana saying, oh, sorry we U-turned you. We didn't really have a choice. We needed to make sure there was somebody else behind us. Uh, and they basically said, you know, we have no time for fake people. Now, do you think they were referring to Corey Nibana, who they're talking to, or Adam and Andrea, who kind of are the ones that screwed them over? That comment definitely seems more related to Adam and Andrea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. But, like, they seem to have it, like, super gelled out. Like, quick Canadian resolve in, like, five minutes after they had a conversation. Yeah. So I don't know. It seems like the animosity would be toward the team that directly you turned you. But it's hard to tell because there was no real concise answer to what they said. It was really vague. Well, see, like, they were talking to Corey and Ivana, but then there was another conversation that followed this with Adam and Andrea, uh, where Adam and Andrea are basically like, oh, yeah, you know, we screwed up on this one, and they did screw up. But there was also another moment later in the episode where, and I didn't write down the actual line, where uh, Ebony or Andrea was actually talking about Adam and Andrea. It's getting confusing with all these Andreas. Um, the girls the were talking episode. about the siblings, <laughs> and... Um, uh, or a Corey Nibana they were talking about, and they made another comment about them U-turning them and, you know, kind of wanting to get revenge. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I'll let you say your piece. I'll just say a really quick thing here. Um, I hate when teams take this personally because you have to make a choice, and what are you going to be eliminated? I mean, Corey Nibana are not the most competitive, strong team out there. You know, if we look at where they placed on the race, they've had a couple of good legs. For the most part, they're always right at the bottom. And the only reason they weren't really at the bottom last week is because somebody forgot to U-turn them. So especially knowing what Adam and Andrea's plan was, as well as Ebony and Andrea's plan, that Corey and Ivana were supposed to be U-turned and that they would have been the ones, you know, having to do a speed bump this week by being non-eliminated. Why are they so upset in this episode? Like, it, it really rubbed me the wrong way for Ebony and Andrea, a team that I actually really like at this point. I feel like kind of have a bit of sense of humor about the mistakes they make. They just didn't seem to get it was their mistake this week. Uh, go, Rossi. Your turn to vent. Uh, I was so, so mad. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get what this, like... 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 It's like translating life into a competition. Like, I can see the similarities between the two. Like, it happens on Survivor a few times. Like, morals. But, like... In a competition, you don't like say unless you're unless you're really Canadian. I guess one of the girls said they were really Canadian. Yeah. And I guess they're being really nice in the fact that they're like, well, we're not going to be like that. We're not going to do those tricks. But it's like it's a game. You're meant to to do these things. It wouldn't be there if it wasn't meant to be challenging. It wasn't meant to be a game. It wasn't meant to be competition. You also made like, a deal one day earlier to. Yeah. You turn half of the teams, which included the one that you turned you. I was like, it was only like just desserts that they were eliminated. And I was like, wrote in my notes, I was like, it was their bitterness that mm. got them eliminated because they couldn't get over that at all. Yeah. I was, I was so mad. Like, it, it is 2017. Get over it. Yeah. And I mean, maybe some of it's edited. Like, here's the thing when they made a comment later on about Corey Nirvana, when they said they were fake, that's where I was sort of like, if they were saying it about them, maybe they weren't. But if they were, that's where I was like, ah, oh, that's not really fair. I mean, you had the same plan for them. But it was when they brought it up later in the episode, and I should have written down the quote or, you know, taken the time to go back over it uh, with thunder and lightning above my head this morning. But uh, but I, I don't know. I, I just, 
I think that it was a little bit sour on their part, but I also feel like it's natural to at least make the comment, yeah, you know what, we're going to, we want to beat them because they U-turned us. Like, even if I'm a good sport about it, I'm if Corey Nirvana U-turned me and they had good reason to, I'm still going to want to get them back. I mean, that's just the way you play the Revenge game. Revenge is fair. Like, yeah. like, it's a fair enough to say, they got me, I'm going to get them. But like, t- and I can see like having a very like immediate reaction being like, well, that was really... Like, I can see the fake comment being sort of like a, like an immediate reaction thing. But this was the day later. You had, they have 24 hours of time to think mm-hmm. about it. And they were, and it, it, they were still like that. Like, they were just holding something in, and that's what killed them. Yeah. So after this, they basically head off to Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, uh, where they get to a BMO uh, teller. <laughs> and it set up a very special... Uh, clue that you're going to be given or whatever they said and it ends up being a message from the family uh, kind of nice I don't know um, obviously the big one here Sam and Paul when the most personality we're getting out of Sam and Paul is Sam blubbering to the point where he's snotting all over his partner uh, I don't know maybe a little bit too over the top for me and I'm not knocking him I'm glad the guy's happy I mean uh, there'd probably be some scenarios where I'd maybe not cry that much but there's some scenarios where I would maybe cry, but it's not something you want to see on the race. And I don't think he's watching this going like, oh, I'm so proud that they showed me blubbering and snotting all over my partner. Uh, how do you feel? You, lo- you like Sam and Paul? Do you have a way of, I'm not even going to say defending. It sounds bad to say defending like they did something wrong here. But uh, is this maybe a little bit embarrassing? Yeah, I was like not a fan of this moment. I was like, Thankfully, we got some follow-up from that pharmacy challenge earlier in the season, <laughs> like talking about the med school. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that justified the comment earlier. But it was just like so uncomfortable. Yeah, that would like, be the best word. I didn't yeah. expect the reaction. I was expecting like a, like a woo, like a yeah, like super intense. And even like, like a tear is fine, but when it's like... <laughs> it's like... It was like watching The Notebook or something. Like, yeah. perfectly. It was like, it. it was like too much for that like two second comment. Like it was just it was sensory overload for me actually. Yeah. See, no, I'm glad you explained it that way because I was having a hard time articulating. Uh, it's not that there's a problem with him being that happy or be if that's the way he is and that's uh, how his emotions are when he's you know gotten this good news. That's fine, but it doesn't mean it's easy for somebody who's not related to this guy to watch. It is uncomfortable to watch. That's the best way of explaining it. So, And the camera work felt so awkward, too. Yeah. Because you could, like, sometimes you see the cameramans, like, not literally see them, but you could feel them. And that was a time where I was like, okay, that cameraman's got to be quite awkward right now. Mm-hmm. That's a very solid point, Dirk Gritty. Um, let's move on from there. We also Thanks, get, Karen. We also get uh, Ozzy the dog. Uh, which one had the dog here? I missed that. I have no recollection of a dog. Oh, I think it was Team Corey Nirvana. No, it was Team oh. Giver. Awkward. I, I don't know. that out. One of them said, oh, it was my mom. And, and again, it was raining and I was watching this outdoors. But one of them was like, it was my mom and dad. And I think the other one's like, and my dog, Ozzy. <laughs> um, maybe Johnny Mustard wasn't there to record it. <laughs> Ozzy Mustard had to fill okay, in. He got a family in person. Like, he got the family visit of Survivor. Yeah. Not the phone 
converse, not the like Bob Crowley phone combo. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not bad. I I, I liked seeing this. Uh, we really only saw Sam and Paul. I mean, everybody else was just kind of glossed over here. But I guess it's cool if you're on the race, they do this, and sometimes it allows you when you're not getting a lot of personnel. Like let's let's look at it this way. We have two teams that we've been pinpointing all season that we don't get a lot of life out of. Sam and Paul, Corey and Ivana. And whenever they have an opportunity, even if it's like kind of contrived to be like, oh, well, I relate to this because I'm an immigrant from, you know, or, uh, oh, I didn't know I was going to be in med school and my parents gave me the good news here. Uh, you get those moments, but those are the only moments that are actually bringing life to Sam and Paul. And that's where I'm kind of frustrated with them. So uh, I, I guess let's just talk quickly about them now. Uh, what are you maybe seeing in Sam and Paul that I'm not? Or is this all you're seeing in it? You just enjoy it more. Um, I don't know what it really is. I feel like we. I always root for the teams that you never root for. Um, that nobody maybe it's for. out of spite. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I really can't explain what it is. Like I feel like usually I'm this naturally against liking the teams that are like so vanilla. Yeah, they're like. They seem like this such like we're the good guys kind of a mentality, which I'm so against because I love the villains and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like I don't know, something is drawing me to them. I think that like there's no one in this cast that I really have disliked. Yeah, I agree. This with season, that. so like even like did, so it's like shifted my perspective of liking them. So normally I feel like if there was a wide variety of like likes, dislikes, hates, loves, I feel like they would just kind of be in the middle. Mm-hmm. But because I like a majority of the teams, they kind of go up. Because there are teams that I like less than them and stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, so they're not your very favorite team, but they're far from your least favorite. Yeah, they're like in the top two of my favorite teams. Who's your least favorite? Left or in total? Uh, of the ones left. Well, including the ones in this episode. Because I have a feeling I know where this is going. Well, it's going to be Andrea and Ebony. Yeah, I figured you'd say that. Uh, I wouldn't have gone that far just because I feel like they provided a lot more before this episode. But I, I guess when you, it is a season where Sour you... Taste. you <laughs> Sour you, taste. But yeah, exactly. When it's a season when, as you just said, you do like all the teams. There's nobody here you can dislike. You will eventually, I guess, just go to the one that has had the least likable moment, which is uh, Ebony and Andrea in this one. Um, let's talk quickly about the detour here. Uh, find your Dory or family story or something like that. Uh, not the most exciting challenges, but again, a bit of a step up because I think the teams have a lot of personality. And that's the thing I've been pinpointing since episode one is that we have a very energetic cast that makes the most out of some dull challenges. I couldn't even tell you what Find Your Dory was. They were rowing in a boat, but I can tell you there were great moments here, particularly <laughs> with Corey and Ivana or Princess Ivana. Having Corey row for her and then cheering him on from the boat while he went on to That was fantastic. Those are the types of moments that maybe we're not getting out of Sam and Paul, where I would put Corey Nirvana a slight step above. Uh, definitely my favorite part of the episode. Uh, anything that you liked out of either of these detours? Um, I, the family story was really boring. It was kind of generic. I did like the the fact that they had to dress up for like literally no reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the boat one was definitely better because of the funny moments. Like, Corey Nirvana stole the entire challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, they were the stars of the detour. Yeah. Um, which is weird to say, Corey Nirvana, stars of a challenge. <laughs> um, 
that and I love the team giver starting to row like a canoe. Yeah. <laughs> like cuz I couldn't figure it out. It it was just really funny to see all the teams like flop and it was just a good character moment more instead of a challenge, but loved it. Yeah, I was going to say this later on, but just in case I forget what I love about Team Giver is that they are the team, because they're the all-young, all-male, uh, you would guess athletic team, you'd assume that they'd be the front runners who would just steal every single leg, which is what always happens on the race. And really, if you think about it, they're kind of like an all-around pathetic team. <laughs> like, almost sad, sad to watch. If you watch. think about it, they're pathetic. If you think about it, they're really sad and pathetic. <laughs> but, like, on the race. And that just makes them more entertaining to watch because you know they're not being crammed down your throats. I mean, there have been moments on the show where you feel like the producers are maybe overexposing them a bit. But I feel like there's just the right balance with what we're seeing with them. And on top of that, you know, they're not great at the race. And it, it's funnier because of that. Like, when they're taking the citizenship test, and I'll go back to what I said earlier, when he's saying, like, Ryan, you failed, he's like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> she just had no reaction at all. And yeah, they're not it's like trying... I know, I know, I figured. Yeah, and like the Celine Dion thing, like you said, and when they just legitimately can't roast, so like let's try it like a canoe. Like that's just their idea of being smart, and it really isn't smart. But maybe it did work for them. Who knows? It's just that's what's funny about them is they're not exceptionally good at the race. They're just exceptionally entertaining at being bad at the race, and they're just good it's... enough to get by. Yeah, they're like more of the not in a mean way because I really like them, but like the bumbling idiots, like. Yeah the Abbott and Costello kind of like team mm -hmm. that are like just figuring out as they go. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, there was a couple of funny moments, I think in the family story challenge, which was basically uh, the true story of the, the Vikings like Thor and Odin and Loki. Uh, I love that they picked those ones uh, because they're the ones that everybody knows from the Avengers and uh, you have to kind of connect their family tree together. So uh, I, I just like Karen and Bert, you know, talking about, oh, we love to play dress up. <laughs> That's, I always love when somebody comes up with some weird, obscure way to be like, I have an advantage in this challenge because we play dress up all the time. <laughs> um, but also Bert just getting into like, come yonder, here tree. Uh, he, he got really into character there. So that was fun. Um, the 150 face off. Now, I can't remember. Are you a fan of face-offs or not a fan? Um, not a fan. No. What are your reasons for not liking face-offs? I just think it slows and kills all the momentum. Mm -hmm. Because you have to have the teams waiting for the next teams. and the, Like, it makes it tighter race, which I think is good. But, like, then it's, like, I don't know. It just feels very contrived way of controlling the race. And the challenges are never that interesting. Like, I was not well, that, like, I don't know. I wasn't loving the bowling. I think it was, like, Karen and Bert, like, were funny. And the other teams were a bit funny. But, like, the challenge was an interesting. Yeah, I mean, season three, I think, did it best, where they had the water challenge. That was the famous uh, Opie, I can't swim, I can't do this. <laughs> I uh, can't win. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, some of the face-offs are okay. I feel like the problem with this one is I thought that maybe they'd do like one frame of bowling or something like that, like, you know, best two out of three or something. They play a full game of five-pin bowling here. And how long does that honestly take? Like, I don't know, do you do a lot of bowling or five-pin bowling? Um, I can't say that I five-pin bowled. 
Okay, is that not a thing outside of Canada? Because I didn't even realize until I saw this Canada 150 face-off here that five-pin bowling is apparently a Canadian creation. Um, yeah, I've never heard of it. No. Okay, it's basically the same as ten-pin except five. <laughs> I don't know any other ways to that. explain it. Um, yeah, I honestly don't like they call this a Canadian creation just because we took a couple of pins away. Uh, who actually created bowling? It wasn't the Canadians. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm gonna have to. It was created in the Middle Ages, um, 1299. The oldest known bowling green, uh, Southampton, England. Okay, so yeah, five pin Canadian creation because we took a couple of pins away. Uh, yeah, it, it's not exciting to watch. There are a couple of funny moments, like uh, Bert. It's always Bert. Uh, whether he's co-hosting this episode with me or providing all the laughs, <laughs> Dirt Gritty is our star. Uh, where he was showboating and then he threw three straight gutter balls. Uh, I feel like there was probably a way to sell that as being funnier than what the show did because they kind of predicted it would happen. Uh, and then, I don't know, maybe just some dumb music, like some, some bozo sound effects or something like that. It's just It felt like it would have been funnier than the way they played it, but still it was all right. Uh, and I guess it's, it's hard when they're creating this challenge and you get the impression they're playing at least a half an hour game here and you're only seeing like 10 seconds of each one right at the end. Like you can't really have any suspense of, is this team going to beat the other team? Because the team that's behind just gets one strike and then they win. It just wasn't the best one to showcase a face off. I just thought it was fun to learn. The I did look fact. up, I was looking, researching now how long it takes for four people to play. I think bowling mm -hmm. and it takes people were saying, I was like looking at people's answers from, all over the world and they were saying it takes an hour to an hour and a half <laughs> now is that let's assume that's 10 pin and it's even half of that you're still looking 45 minutes and how many matchups do we have here you had to have five right yeah uh yeah five of them so five at let's say 45 minutes like that's over two hours just for the face-off and they haven't even gotten to the roadblock yet that's a long time it's like a but it's total buzzkill. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't help the episode. It shuffled the teams. I couldn't honestly tell you how it shuffled the teams. All I remember was dirt gritty getting the three straight gutter balls. Uh, the roadblock after this. Finally, we get an honest pull from the roadblock. Would you do this? And it was basically split 50-50. I mean, it was close to 50-50 as you get. It may have been like 38 or something like that in favor of. But uh, still... I don't know, Rossi, would you have voted on this one? There's a lot of people with a fear of doing stand-up comedy in Canada. Um, I would have definitely loved to do this challenge. If Dirt Gritty wrote your jokes for you, would you have more confidence or less confidence? Um, I probably would have like hung myself on the stage. <laughs> if you tripped going up on stage like Bert did, uh, would that I would have, have taken you? the four-hour penalty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I rewound that like three or four times. Oh, I love the tripping. If uh, only if only Shabir was there, maybe he would have actually fallen. <laughs> I just want to see Shabir do like a back somersault like he did on the surfboard. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for bringing that up. I'll give credit to Rossi on that one. <laughs> bringing back Zed and Shabir. Uh, yeah, it was a fun challenge to watch though, and it's something we've seen before. I guess this most similar, at least to the Amazing Race Canada, to the uh, season two, I think it was, where they had to do the uh, 80s 
hair metal air guitar challenge or whatever that was which was done here in winnipeg uh, it's just basically get on stage and can you do this and can you have a little bit of personality in doing it they basically say can you make the audience laugh i mean the audience is being paid kind of like the ones in the puppet challenge two weeks ago to laugh no matter what as long as you actually remember the joke or so, the um hecklers on the bridge the great wall of china yeah exactly i love the heckling in the amazing race canada we're very cruel people for such a polite country but it's a fun challenge did you like this one yeah i did despite the jokes being like the worst <laughs> Oh my god, I finally get that comment you made about why you were... Oh, I get it. The, the guacamole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first joke we heard on here was something about avocados and holy guacamole. <laughs> uh, and Rossi was running a little bit late and apologized for it, and I basically told him I was having some holy guacamole, which is true. I get it now. We, yeah, we were having some holy guacamole right before this. The jokes were terrible. I don't understand half of them. The one about the birds flying with their eyes closed, I didn't get it all. <laughs> Did you see any birds flying with their eyes closed when you were watching the episode? No. In the outdoor? No. Um, and the joke almost made more sense the first way he told it, where birds would be flying backwards with their eyes closed. Because I would assume anybody flying forwards, your eyes are at least going to be squinted, even if you're a bird. I don't know, maybe birds have magical powers to keep their eyes open or something. But it almost made more sense when he, when he flubbed the joke, so... Uh, yeah, terrible jokes in here, but that kind of made it funnier, especially with the delivery of some of the people. Um, Sam and Paul, <laughs> this is what will sum up my feelings of Sam and Paul. Don't dislike them, find them kind of boring, and I think even the show knows that is their character, because I can't remember if it was Sam or Paul, I think it was Sam, who said something about, like, I'm really good at stand-up comedy, or, oh, I'm feeling like I'm funny today, and they had that sound effect that I was waiting for, when Bert threw the gutter balls, it's basically like, dum-dum. Like, the big question, like, huh? Like, Sam and Paul funny, these two things don't go together. The show is drawing attention to the fact that it's actually funny for them to say, oh, we're going to be good at this. Uh, yet, they actually breeze through the challenge. So, I don't know, it's, it's more a memory thing than anything else. Uh, any highlights in this challenge for you, other than <laughs> Bert tripping on stage? Or uh, I think it was Kenneth eating the food they were throwing at him. That was funny. Um, my only thing about this challenge was that the place that they were doing it in looked made up for the race. Yeah. It seats because, like what, 12 people? Yeah. And like if you look carefully at some of the walls, not the brick, but like the side walls, it's not painted or it's still the dry like... Um, like gypsum board that's behind the walls mm -hmm. like they didn't even paint them or anything and then i even went on google maps to look and it doesn't show it what was the like name when of you it? Drop did, it in did you have a did you find the name for this club uh, i can look it up now yeah i tried to like look at the comedy as a like comedy club in newfoundland mm -hmm. corner brooks famous comedy like a comedy comedy theater place there was also that like it was very weird when john started this out by saying uh newfoundland known for being one of the funniest provinces in canada or however whatever was he phrased that he basically said this as if newfoundland is known for comedy which i don't know <laughs> of anything specifically out of newfoundland that is comedy related okay so it's the swirsky theater and music hall um Performing Arts Theater in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, and Labrador. And it listed on the maps, but when you drop the little man in 
to the streets, it's not there. Mm. Which I don't know if it's not updated or what, but it looks like really poor when you look at the streets. Um, I did find at least one famous comedian from Newfoundland, Sean Majumber. Uh, he's, I guess, more famous for doing Canadian shows. Uh, like Probably one of the most famous Canadian shows is called This Hour has 22 Minutes, which basically anybody out there uh, is familiar with Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update. It's basically like a half-hour weekly version of that, uh, except probably a little bit better than current Weekend Update. Yeah, so he's famous from there. Other than that, I guess all the people that I can see here from Newfoundland are more serious actors. Uh, so at least one funny guy from Newfoundland. Uh, I'm sure he's played, what's it called? Swerskis. Swerskis. Uh, Sean Majumber is very famous for playing at Swerskis. Uh, well, as we know, and Andrea is a very famous uh, comedian. She's had several repeat performances yeah. at Swerskis. <laughs> the guy hosting this was great. I, I like that, uh, especially when he was saying, you know, when he kept saying, it was like, oh, she's coming up for her second set. She was so good on the first one. Um, I also did wonder whether, it, when this first started, I was thinking that you legitimately had to make people laugh. I should have known better that it's basically like a planted audience. But I was thinking like when Andrea was watching uh, Sam and Paul go first, because I think she was the second one there, uh, when Sam's going and she's hearing the jokes he's telling i'm like she has an advantage now she knows which jokes actually work you know but obviously it's just a planet audience i was just taking it a little too seriously uh yeah bert even bert flopping with his jokes was hilarious uh andrea was that what did it take her four times she probably had the biggest struggle with this it mostly was a memory thing but i did like some of the delivery people had this was again a really fun challenge in uh, probably one of the better episodes of the season we've seen uh, basically after this they go to the check-in point at james cook lookout um the famous captain cook i'm guessing this is what it is of the cook islands uh i was gonna ask that because i was like oh is that like i was like survivor reference yeah I, I guess he sailed all the way to newfoundland labrador and uh had a hilarious time there <laughs> uh <laughs> he went to swirsky <laughs> Captain Hook, or Captain Cook, I guess. <laughs> Captain Cook, uh, stage name Captain Hook at Swirsky's, circa 1800, whatever. Let's, I guess, go through the teams here. Um, or we'll have to rate the episodes here first before we go through the teams. And we're going to do some where I guess we'll have uh, end of season predictions as we're getting close to the end of the season here. Uh, only about four episodes left. So, episode number one uh, that we've covered today, otherwise known as episode number six, we just saw Johnny Mustard. Uh, this was the Ottawa leg. Rossi, do you buy it, rent it, or bin it? This may be a surprise, but I'm actually going to buy it. Ah, oh, you bought an episode of The Amazing Race Canada season five. Have I not done that yet? I don't. I think you may have bought one, but for the most part, I think you've been binning this stuff every week. I'm going to buy this one. A, Johnny Mustard. A, the U-turn drama. I think it was just a pretty good episode. It's not like a like top-tier buy, like, yeah. but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a buy for me. I was originally going to buy this, and then as we were going over the detour, I'm like, that's got to take it down to a rented for me. So I'm going to rent it, but it's a pretty strong rented. Like, this is one I'd highly encourage people to pay for your legal download of this episode um or since ctv is a free network uh just watch it on the app for free whether you have tv or not 
But strongly encourage you watching this on the app for free, but I would pay for it if I had a chance. I just wouldn't pay full price. Uh, second episode, uh, otherwise known as episode seven, break time for Corey, which I, yeah, <laughs> break time for Avada with the episode. Uh, buy it, rent it, bin it, Rossi. I think I'm going to just rent this one. It was pretty solid. I'm going to rent it. Yeah, I mean, I actually would definitely buy this one just because I didn't find anything boring. And even though the Find Your Dory and Family Story detours, uh, they were definitely better than the last week. They weren't great, but Ivana alone, just <laughs> going queen princess through this was uh, worth it for me. Uh, and again, I just couldn't with Andrea and Ebony for me. Like, Yeah, I mean, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But at the same time, I mean, this is Amazing Race Canada. I think we were due to have at least one team kind of be a little bit negative. This is maybe too polite of a TV show at this point. Uh, but I, I kind of get what you're saying. Uh, we'll talk about Andrea and Ebony right at the end of this. Let's go through the teams here uh, before we do our postseason predictions. Just kind of give overall opinions, whether it just be them as characters or how they're going on the race. First team on this leg, they were second place the previous leg. They're by far, I think, the front runners at this point. Uh, or at least tied with one of the teams. Sam and Paul, anything else to add on Sam and Paul? Um, no, they're just really, they're good at the race. Like, um, like sometimes you can't explain, like, why they were cast. Um, but they've been super rock stars, competitors. Um, I could see them winning this whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just a personality thing, but... I do find it weird that they're not being grouped in with everybody's hatred for the all-male young athletic teams because they're an all-male team, they're young, they are athletic, um, they're not like bodybuilders or anything, but I, I don't know. I, I, because our bodybuilder team sucks this year. <laughs> uh, they're not wrestlers. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they're maybe getting a free pass from a lot of fans that don't like these teams because we basically have another all-male team right at the front here and nobody seems to care about it. Uh, I, I, it I think they're just they're kind of going below the radar because they don't have a lot of personality. I would say it's just the, the cockiness level. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of all-male teams have this, like, like, like hyper-masculine oh, yeah. kind of attitude. Like, Dino and Jesse had it. Yeah. Um, but, like, some, like, Brett and Sean didn't have that like, kind of attitude. And they were an all-male team that made Final Three. Like... So it's it's depending it depends on how they kind of come across through the edit, and yeah. I feel like they've come across pretty well. Yeah, I'm not interesting, but well. I think it's funny that there's another team you didn't mention in there, which uh, I'll cover in a second. Just remind me in case I forget when we get to Team Giver, uh, the comparison to another team. Um, you didn't mention Ryan and Rob there. Do they not count? You're 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 such a fanboy for Ryan and Rob. Okay, I love Ryan and Rob. Yeah, Ryan and Rob. But I was just great. trying to make a reference to two teams in the same season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Don't you mess with Ryan and Rob? They're my favorite. <laughs> I like Ryan and Rob too. I just like Suki and Jinder better. Sorry. <laughs> I know you're gonna hate me for that one. Uh, second place on this leg, Kenneth and Ryan. How did that happen? <laughs> First place uh, when this race started, uh, got the three express passes and then flushed it down the toilet for the next five legs and they're right back up at the top. I don't know how it actually happened in this episode. Uh, Kenneth and Ryan, uh, anything you want to talk about with them or their improvement? Can you see in this episode how that happened? They had a taste for the mustard and then they succeed. 
it, all they needed was just that one pick me up from ju- just knowing that Johnny Mustard was out there somewhere. And then where's he... the product placement for the mustard? This <laughs> French's mustard brought to you by Johnny Mustard. Um, yeah, maybe maybe Johnny Mustard just gave him that that pick me up. Uh, you know, the people change after the, the family visit and survivor. Who knows if that happened here? Yeah, exactly. He's the angel on the shoulder of Team Giver. Uh, Adam and Andrea, you haven't been that high in them up until this point in the season. Uh, any feelings change on there? I feel like they're definitely right up there with Sam and Paul. I mean, they've won just as many legs as Sam and Paul has, and they've been right at the top every single time. Outside of the second leg of the race, where they finished in seventh place, they have been in the top three every single week. So I feel like it's basically them and Sam and Paul at this point for most competitive. Although I will say, I don't think both teams will make it to the end. What are your feelings on Adam and Andrea? Okay, so last week, I branded them as the white paint team. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And surprisingly, I like them, and they're not white paint for me anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. I think it was the strategy talk, or, or I don't know what it was. But I think that they were actually really interesting. And they didn't come across as like, super buddy buddy they just they came across as like more strategic and i guess i really like yeah. that especially in the face of um ebony and andrea mm-hmm. i don't mean to bash them all this episode but like they were just my super negative so like having teams reference strategy and alliances and just like and nothing overly complicated that was like crazy it was just effective strategy and i just love seeing teams take a hold of them take a hold of the game like because it is a game and so i was just really pleased with them and they were funny too so yeah the the thing about adam and andrea is that i always find myself laughing at certain things they do but i feel they're subtly funny you know karen and bert are like they're very obviously funny kenneth and ryan very obviously funny adam and andrea they kind of catch you off guard but they have those personalities where it's like they, they could really go for like they're probably intentionally being funny half the time and i just think they do it well uh, I did miss back there, uh, I said I wanted to talk about Kenneth and Ryan uh, or another team. Uh, when I talked about Sam and Paul kind of getting the free pass from the young athletic male team, Kenneth and Ryan's the other one where they're kind of getting a free pass, maybe because, as I said, they're not doing very well in this race other than this leg. But let's compare them to another team that, again, you didn't mention probably for a good reason, Mickey and Pete, winners of season two. Uh, how did Mickey and Pete get a free pass? Is this something where maybe being really goofy and also being ultra Canadian like Mickey and Pete and Kenneth and Ryan are that the fans aren't really bothered by their dominance in the race? Is Rossi gone? Sorry. He's back. Here. Okay, you almost gave me an edit point, which I've been very frustrated with because um, it's late and i got to get up early in the morning. <laughs> Did you hear um, anything I said? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I think it goes back to the confidence level and the cockiness because, like, they had, Mickey and Pete were never really super cocky. They didn't have this attitude, and I, I even like them. I was like fans of Mickey and Pete, so like, I don't see Kenneth and Ryan as being super cocky. I feel like maybe in the beginning, and then when they immediately like dropped to lower places, they were super humbled and they kind of came back. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends if they start like being that like super aggressive all male team, then I could see their fan base waning. Yeah, I mean Kenneth and Ryan will never be that because I don't know where they would get the confidence 
uh, being as pathetic as they are at the race, <laughs> but amusingly pathetic. Hey, a second place finish. Yeah, I mean, it happened this time. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, let's also not forget that Corey Nirvana came in second in one leg. Zed and Shabir came in first. So, um, look at this. Megan and Courtney came in first. Let's not forget them. Uh, this race really is all over the place. That's going to make our predictions in the end quite hard. Well, it was really interesting in the first like six legs, like five. Like every team was different that won first. Mm -hmm. Like it was really spread out this season. Like no team had, like who was Andrew, uh, Andrea Adam and Adam were. Yeah, they were the first ones to win two two times. And it took halfway into the season to even do that. Yeah, like that that hasn't happened before. Like remember, hockey girls were dominating. Yeah. Um, Karen and Bert, do we have anything to add on them other than how amazing they are? Um, I love them. Um, unfortunately, I think they're the weakest team left in the race, yeah. even though they've been doing okay. Like they haven't been super terrible or anything. It's just like if there was a really intense challenge, I don't see them powering through it as well as some of the other teams could, mm-hmm. which yeah. is cost turn because they're great humor that fence thing was the funniest thing that they've done in the entire <laughs> like that was the best scene so far for like for me like that was the funniest let's not forget like here's the other thing like Bert is very funny and just the fact that Karen can be funnier by knocking Bert too like when when he was doing his dance in the bowling challenge and then later on when he danced at the end of the challenge she was basically mocking how bad he was in the bowling one like that's hilarious too like this is the perfect blend of two funny people you I, I know you're gonna hate me for bringing them up but brian and cynthia which i think are like the gold standard for entertainment uh brian was definitely like the real humor of that team and cynthia had like her funny moments but she was kind of more the backbone of the team these two are like equally funny and they're equally entertaining but they're not that strong they're also not that weak either you kind of said they're the weakest one left and i'd agree with that uh, maybe it's just because we've never seen them right at the very top they also seem to struggle, and the preview for next week doesn't leave me with a lot of hope about uh, them making to the finale. Uh, but if they did, like that would be my dream. I think they're the perfect team to win something like this, at least for uh, what the fans would want to see. Uh, Corey and Ivana. Let's get into Corey and Ivana here. <laughs> Another team that seems to be exceptionally bad and pathetic at the race, but they have their moments of brilliance. Uh, they found a way to get ahead in this episode. They probably would have been eliminated last week had they been U-turned. Uh, they barely made it this week. Uh, I was surprised that Ivana did as well as she did in the stand-up comedy challenge. Maybe, again, that's editing. I was saying at the beginning of the episode, whoever's the second last always seems to just go through it really quickly. But uh, some real star moments here from Ivana in the episode. And also the fact that Corey doesn't react to her when she's doing her princess it's not even like a thing where it's like come on you can pitch in or he's rolling his eyes or looking annoyed it's basically like he went into this knowing yeah i'm not gonna lift a finger if we're rowing a boat you can do all the work and it doesn't bother him um, i love them in this episode still not completely sold on them as a team but they had at least one really solid episode yeah this was like the highlight um like the, i think they had a really good two i know we're covering this as two they had two really good weeks like mm-hmm. between being able to like use that u-turn to their advantage yeah and then like you're just being stars of the like second half like the entire second half of this episode between the detour the roadblock and everything um i I, they've just been kind of going up and their stock has increased a lot over these last two episodes Mm -hmm. both as racers and as like comedy and humor and 
character and moments and all that. Yeah, they're getting a little bit more of the character stuff out there. Uh, and I feel like they're actually bigger characters than we're seeing. You know, this is kind of like, I guess, the survivor effect that often these big personalities get cast and then they end up being quite dull for a while. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing that's kind of what we're getting out of them. Like, maybe they would be a bigger team, but they're struggling a little bit. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, Ebony and Andrea in this episode. Anything else you want to talk about here? I mean, you, you, you kind of summed it up. You know, it, it's kind of the bad way for them to go out. One interesting thing I did find here is that they came in last in three out of seven legs. <laughs> it's actually quite extraordinary if you think about it that that's uh, pretty close to fifty percent of the time they spent at the bottom. What's their um like? Do you have their like first, second, last? What, yeah. what was their finishings? So they did seventh place in the first leg, second place in the second, seventh for the next two, second place again in the fifth, and then sixth in the last two legs. So they basically were either right near the bottom or second place every single time. That's so weird. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was like, after this episode, I was like, glad to see them gone. Not that I had any issues with them before this episode, but like, I was just like, so over the attitude. I was done. And yet it's so tame. This is where the, the Canadian aspect comes in. It's so tame compared to what we see on Amazing Race US. If somebody reacted this way on Amazing Race US... People be like, oh, they're taking it well. You know, <laughs> Canadians are a little bit. This is polite. You know, I, I guess this is rude for a Canadian, but this is polite for the rest of the world. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, I'm still a fan of theirs. I thought they were one of the more entertaining teams. There really wasn't a single moment I did enjoy of them. Uh, I did question their reaction to the U turn in this, but I still was never bored by them, which is something that uh, I think a couple of other teams, I can't say the same thing about. It was very clear. You kind of called it earlier on that they uh, were really going to struggle in this week after week based on their decisions in week one about taking the penalty. Uh, there were moments where they did really well. I just think that they didn't always make the most logical moves. That was the problem with them is that they, they maybe overthought things. I don't know. Uh, it'd be great to have them on the show to actually ask them those questions. Come on the show, please. Um, we will give you a fun fact about uh, a <laughs> car that Rossi does not have in this episode. Uh, let's get the to... The car challenge sucked. That is the fun fact about cars. There you go. Uh, let's get to some fun facts about Andrea and Ebony. Uh, Andrea's right armpit says, my dream vacation would be to go to Bali and Sri Lanka with Ebony and a bunch of good friends. Uh, Obviously wants... not good enough to go on the race with them. Yeah. <laughs> She uh, picks her favorites here. Oh, let's quickly, before I forget this, the poll where they asked, uh, I think it was during the roadblock, where they asked, would you do this challenge or have your partner do it or something like that? Do you remember that? I'll look forward to my notes here. Um, yeah, who would do this challenge? Me was one option. My race partner was the other or neither of us. And that was a poll. How many of the viewers have a race partner? What kind of poll is that? And yet it was split down the middle. There were people like, my race partner would do it. Well, who's your race partner? Like, Rossi, do you have a race partner? If you saw that poll right now, you have to answer it in a split second. Who's your oh, race partner? Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I guess they're just assuming that you'd pick, like, the person, like, who you're sitting next to on the couch when you watch it is your race partner. I don't know, that's weird. I was watching this in the rain, walking by myself. <laughs> well, obviously your race partner is Jamie. So. Yeah. 
and in that one, I mean, she would make me do all these. We would be Chip and Kim. Uh, she would be Kim if the rules let her be it. <laughs> uh, you're doing this one, Colin. But yes, I'm talking about you. <laughs> uh, talk about you. How lazy you would be on the Amazing Race. Yeah, she she knows that she'd be lazy on there. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was the weirdest poll because it, there's no logic to it. You are your race partner, but the viewer does not have a race partner. It's just stupid. And I don't know why there would even be, like, so these people would take the four-hour penalty if they said neither. And more people picked neither in that than we've seen in any poll this season. So I think well, it was just confusion. Would... Oh, that's just so, so, so strange. Or, that's what I was talking about earlier, this incredible fear that Canadians have about doing stand-up comedy, despite the fact that Canada produced like every famous comedian of like the last 30 years um except for dane cook uh you can take credit for that one rossi <laughs> yeah what now uh we get tom green what do you got <laughs> we got uh dane cook uh what yeah. now uh we we get jim carrey and mike myers sorry about mike myers people if you're watching the gong show uh so many other good ones uh, what else we had? Andrea's right hip says, In a movie about my life, I'd be played by Amy Adams. Don't really see it. Um, Ebony, her left wrist says, My favorite food is sushi with no avocado. Come on. Avocado. Do you, do you eat sushi? Uh, time to time. Yeah, yeah avocado is like a must-have with it. I, at least it's in just, my opinion. It's a, it's a, it's a super food. It's like a food staple in every meal almost like holy guacamole ebony what are you thinking uh maybe that's why she did so poor in the comedy challenge today was an avocado day for me too i had uh, a salad for lunch and jamie just threw a bunch of slices of avocado in there i'm like never again make me a salad without avocado that's amazing uh shame on you ebony uh ebony your left hip says the last movie that made me cry was lion it was so amazing somebody else said that recently too i remember bringing that up um, yeah, Rossi, you don't remember, do you? I remember talking about it. I just don't know who. All right, Ebony, you have lost me forever. Uh, I'm sorry to say. Um, let's go through the individual facts about Ebony here. Uh, Rossi, do you have these ones up? I can get the, I can get Andrea's up. Okay. Uh, I'll do Ebony. You do Andrea. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just talk. <laughs> Uh, the racer profiles are not coming up properly. We're always having problems with the Amazing Race Canada website. Um, let's just throw all the blame here on CTV. This website really is it's such a cool website, but it's such a mess. Both of us are getting it looping back to the same page here. So let's try and get through this here. Uh, if I can zoom in enough to see what this says... Uh, do you have anything up there? Uh, no. Okay. I can kind of read some of it here. So I'm going to kind of read I can't even pull this. up Debs. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, I can kind of read this if, uh, you don't actually click on it. You just see the smaller version. My celebrity crush is Channing Tatum. Uh, shame on you, Ebony. Uh, you have lost me forever. That's disgusting. Channing Tatum, let me just say this about the A lot of people mock Channing Tatum's acting. Like, forget about acting lessons. Can somebody teach that man how to blink? Like, I've never seen a human being incapable of blinking. Ugh. Are you a Channing Tatum fan? No, not, I can't say that I am. Okay, have you ever seen Channing Tatum blink, or is it kind of like the Sasquatch? Like, there's just these <laughs> weird images on the internet that people believe is Channing Tatum blinking. 
Um, I can't say that I've thought about it or seen it, but you never know. Okay, I'm going to try to read this here. My hero is my mom. I can read that, Ebony. My favorite emoji is... I don't even want to say what this looks like. It looks like a like face. A, like a kissing face. Like a... Um, not, not what I'm seeing. <laughs> it looks like something is pointed inside of somebody's mouth here. <laughs> well, oh. she's not the best artist. Yeah. Uh, okay, so again, if anybody's wondering why we can't read this, CTV's website won't bring up the large versions. My favorite book is... Now this is really hard to read. Uh, you are... Bald, you are baldy, short-living, um, uh, you are amazing, San Juan Sincero. Okay, and then what do you have? Start short-living or sh- start living? Start living your awesome life. San Juan Sincero. Okay. <laughs> All right, I can't read anymore. <laughs> Whatever that last thing says, somebody tell us if you can bring it up. We'll bring it up in a day from now. But I, I swear uh, that quote in the end says San Juan Sincero. Uh, my biography would be titled, I can't read a word of that. So uh, let's just move on to Andrea. My favorite food is sticky rice and curry shrimp. That actually sounds good. Um, sounds much better than Channing Tatum. I can't leave home without my yoga mat. Do you see her carrying a yoga mat on the race? That would have been funny. Uh, maybe she has a very tiny fold-up one. We don't <laughs> my, know. My nickname is, and again, I can barely read this, my mom calls me seaweeds, is that what it says, or sweets? I closed it out. I was straining my eyes. Okay. My hero is, I, I'm pretty sure I got this, my mom, uh, grandmother, and aunt. Lame. It should have been Dirk Gritty. Yeah, Dirk Gritty. <laughs> or Anthony Rossi, or Johnny Mustard. Oh, uh, Johnny Mustard. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Um, any other interesting facts about Andrea or Ebony here that we could find since that was a bust? Uh, they're entrepreneurial women. They decided to get together and start their own business, I Breathe Fitness. Uh, I will check out I Breathe Fitness, I swear. All right, so Andrea and Ebony, uh, sorry to see you go so soon. Uh, what do we have next, Rossi? You, do you have your preseason predictions? Yeah. Okay, You're, let's catch us up on the preseason predictions of Rossi. Because I didn't bother to make note of them at the beginning of the season. Okay. Do you want me to go through the whole thing? Uh, yeah, let's go through... Well, let's go through your bottom to top, and we'll see how it matches up. All right. Um, so in 10th place, I said Aaron and Deb. All right. Good call. Which I was 100%. Um, in 9th place, I put Ken and Ryan. <laughs> they probably should have been there, but yeah, go on. Um, and then 8, I have Karen and Bart. Oh, which, in my defense, you could see that happening. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're like not... older team, like... How old are Karen and Bert? Do we know? Um, they're probably like 26, and they're just really angry right now that you've labeled them as the old team. They have, they have three children, so it's like... Okay, yeah, so maybe. Um, and then after that, in seventh, I had Corey and Ivana. Okay, yeah, again, not in seventh place, but fair. <laughs> Um, six, I put Megan and Courtney. Uh, you're a little optimistic there. Hey, they did not do... They got first place. <laughs> Followed up by being in last with an <sighs> express pass in their pocket. Um, fifth, I have Adam and Andrea. Okay, we're getting into the ones that actually are making the top five here. 
Um, in fourth, I have Zed and Shabir. They made your top four. <laughs> I guess, again, in all fairness, they finished in first and second right before they were eliminated. And in by third. the way, Shabir is not the old guy on here. It's Karen and Burt. <laughs> third place. Um, third place, Andrea and Ebony. Uh-huh. Um, second place, the real shocker, Dan and Rhea. You called Sam and Paul to win this thing. Yeah. And Dan and Rhea to be second. <laughs> All right, let's uh, go through our second predictions because you've got a couple still in there. You've got uh, how many? Two out of the top five are still in this thing out of your original predictions. Yeah. And um, let's go through the top five teams here. And how do you see this shaking out for the rest of the season? Who would be your last place team? Who's next to go? Um, I would probably say Karen and Bert. Okay. Um, oh, this is tough. I don't want to say Karen and Bert. Uh, I, I think, honestly, I will say Karen and Bert in this one. Uh, I would hate it if they left. I'll be very happy if I'm wrong on this one. But I see the other teams making it a little bit further. Uh, I'm not for, saying that this is what I wanted, but this yeah. one I just had like a feeling that would happen. Yeah, especially after we see the preview for next week. It doesn't look like it's their best challenge, at least. Uh, fourth place, who do you have in fourth? Um, I'm going to go with Corey and Ivana. Ah, I'm going to make a controversial pick here. I'm going to say T. Giver is fourth. They're just going to miss out on the finale. Okay. My reasoning for that is that we have seen so much of them on the race. I feel like it's almost like one of these things where you want to show the team that, and maybe it'll be like uh, Justin and Diana, where we're just getting a lot of the team that doesn't end up winning. But I'm guessing a lot of their screen time is because they don't make it to the end. Third place. Third place. I'm going to go with Giver. Giver in third. Okay, so they make the finale, but they're not going to get anywhere near finishing. Yeah, it's it's hit or miss. I could see Corey Nirvana in my in my predictions. Corey Nirvana and Kent Ryan switching easily. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see it based on challenges or whatever. But I'm just going to go with this because Corey Nirvana have been worse overall. Uh, because Corey Nirvana have been worse overall, I'm picking them to make the finale. <laughs> there seems to always be that one team that shouldn't be there but is. Uh, so, yeah, I'm guessing that they're going to make the finale, but realistically, they're not going to be in the race. Uh, second place, who's our runner-up, which also means who's our first place, Rossi? I'm going to go with second place being Sam and Paul, and then the siblings winning it. Yeah, I'm completely agreeing with you. Uh, I don't know if I, have any, if I even need a reason for it. Sam and Paul just, they seem like they're the team that's destined to finish in second. They seem like they're the hockey girls. The ones who are really great at the race, but lacking in personality. Uh, I just want to say this past week, I mentioned the Canada Games that have been going on in Winnipeg. Um, Natalie from the Hockey Girls, Season 2 Amazing Race Canada, was one of the flag bearers for the Canada Games here. Uh, and at the opening ceremonies, and for our, I'm not going to call it our sister show, but uh, another show that myself and Ben do off the podium, an Olympics podcast available via iTunes. Uh, I've been looking for athletes that were going to be involved in the Canada Games and maybe past athletes. Had a couple lined up and thought for a second, oh, I should get Natalie on the race or on the race on the uh, off the podium. And then I remembered all the things I've said about <laughs> the hockey girls. And I'm like, yeah, if she hears that, she's not going to want to talk to me. But I will say I'd love to talk to you about your Olympic career. Um, I'd even love to talk about the amazing race. Uh, just not my favorite team. But yeah, Sam and Paul, probably second. And Adam and Andrea, definitely, uh, I think, the ones that are going to win here. And I think they'd be good re- winners of the race. I mean, have we had a brother and sister ever win the Amazing Race? No. We've had a lot of family. 
Mm-hmm. No, we had two brothers, but that was no brother or sister. Yeah. We haven't had a, a male-female team win yet. We've only had um, three male-male and then one female-female. Yeah, but even in the American one, have we had a brother and sister team win? Well, sorry, give me like a five minutes to go through all 20-whatever-million seasons. Yeah, well, if you get off the top of your head. I can't think. Amazing Race Asia? Anything ringing a bell? <laughs> I've only seen one season, so I don't know. Um, I actually love The Amazing Race Asia, by the way. It's actually my favorite, including Amazing Race Canada. It's my favorite international version of The Amazing Race. Uh, next week, we won't really cover it that much because we don't know if we'll be here next year to talk about it. We're not canceled. It's probably we, non-elimination. It's probably going to be non-elimination. We have, uh, you know, it might actually be because how many episodes do we have left here? We have four episodes left. Yeah, we're going to have another non-elimination. Oh, that's kind of Probably frustrating. Probably the next episode at this point. Yeah. I don't know if we should have as many non-eliminations in a Canadian version that has one less episode and one less team. Uh, it's maybe a little bit too much. Yeah, it's going to be in the next episode. But we're leaving Canada again, and this is cool. I'm going to Panama. This is oh, one, yeah. of the, one of the places I want to visit most is Panama. Um, not just for Survivor, just because it looks cool, too. So I'm, I'm excited that we're going to get to go see Panama. Uh, that'll be next week, and hopefully we will be back next week. I uh, also want to say, uh, interesting fact here, the Amazing Race Canada, as far as ratings go, just looking at this, has been updated now. It's been number one in Canada every single, well, it's it, there are three weeks where it was number two in Canada, which was during July. The premiere was number one, uh, and it was beaten out by America's Got Talent a few so, Canadian pride here. We're being beaten up by America's Got Talent in Canada. Yeah, America. Fuck you. Although let's let's also mention America's Got Talent has uh, no judges from America. Uh, <laughs> they got what two British judges, one from who knows what country Heidi Klum is, and then uh, Howie Mandel, who's Canadian. So let's call it everything but America's Got Talent. Uh, but that did beat it for a few weeks. Amazing Race Canada back up at the top. Uh, and the ratings, like, just in comparison, I know I've kind of mentioned in the past how big Amazing Race is in Canada here for both versions. Uh, 1.8, almost 1.9 million viewers in Canada. Now, when you take into account Canada has one-tenth the population in the United States, just kind of times this by 10 and imagine that as the American rating. Can you imagine Amazing Race or Survivor consistently getting anywhere from 16 to 20 million viewers a week in today's day and age? No. No. Yeah. This is huge still. And this is a kind of a bad season. So let's be honest. Uh, so, yeah, big hit. It's going Canadians to be. Canadians are just nice. They just get ratings, even though they may not like it. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what some of the other top shows in Canada are. Uh, let's quickly go through the run through here and see what Rossi's watching. Rossi, are you watching America's Got Talent, number two last week? No. Are you watching World of Dance? No. Are you watching Big Brother? No. MasterChef? Nope. American Ninja Warrior. When are we going to get Canadian Ninja Warrior? Um, when you have Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Saving Hope. Uh, number one Canadian scripted drama series. Have you ever seen Saving Hope? Nope. Uh, reruns of the Big Bang Theories in the top 15. This is sad. I'm going to stop. Uh, I hate yeah, Big Bang Canadians should stop watching TV if that's yeah. what they're watching. <laughs> um, but yeah, big hit. It'll be back next season. We'll, we'll surely be back next season. Let's wrap this episode up. We covered a lot. A lot more than last week because somebody here decided to have an opinion. Um, thank you, Dirt Gritty, thank for joining you. us. Thank you. My name's Dirt Gritty. <laughs> Dirt Gritty, good as always. 
Uh, Rossi Mustard, uh, we will give you credit. Uh, you gave us a couple of good lines on this episode. Thanks. I'm, I'm going to go fix my fence right after this. I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. And my name is Colin, and I will add one coat of paint to Rossi's fence. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.